and they have done it. Chiefs are Super Bowl champions here in Miami as they win it here in Super Bowl 54. Testing one, two, testing one, two, streaming live on all streaming platforms. It's your host, Addison. Welcome to a brand new edition of From the Jump. Episode 102 of From the Jump, man. These these podcasts, they keep coming. Shout out to my engineer, Eric. We in the studio right now, hooking it up on the ones and twos. And I'm 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 shocked. Uh uh Kansas City Chiefs won a Super Bowl, 31 to 20. I mean, I, I'm not I didn't have a fight. I didn't have a dog in the race. Of course, I picked San Francisco 27-24. Uh, but at the end of the day, they, 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 they couldn't get it done. They couldn't get it done. They were up 10 with six minutes left to go in the game and they ended up losing by 11. I mean, that, that's, that's, I'm sorry. I got to put this one on Kyle Shanahan and I know everybody's going to put the, the throw on Jimmy Garoppolo and him not making, I, I get it. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it, but I want to start off with this Super Bowl 54 in Miami was actually one of the good Super Bowls. It's actually one of the good Super Bowls. And the reason why it was a good Super Bowl is because I felt like the NFL intentionally tried to include everybody. Now, whether or not you liked it or not, they tried to include everybody in every single race. And the reason why is because for the past couple of years, the NFL has taken a beating. Straight up beating. I mean, the NBA doesn't catch a lot of flack. The NBA lets a lot of things ride. The NBA isn't as vocal on a lot of social subjects like they should be and only let the players speak but you know they're not really you know vocal on a lot of these issues like the nfl really is and as a result the nfl takes a lot of flack from the african-american community and other communities as well they included the latin community in there with the halftime with j-lo and shakira was the halftime show the best? No. And I know a lot of people were tweeting like, oh, this is one of the best halftime performances. As far as entertainment goes, yes. There were a lot of lights. There were a lot of bells and whistles. Even the Super Bowl commercials were funny. Were they a little corny? Yes. But they were funny. You know the Donald Trump commercial was funny. Him releasing the lady. You know those commercials are funny. Because it made you cringe and it made you go, Really? You know they were funny. The little Nas X commercial when he was dancing with Doritos was cool. Of course, the Boston commercial with the smart car and the, and the, and the self-parking car. That was a funny, you know what I mean? That was a funny one. Yeah, it, it was amazing. It really was. Um, I, I, I had two goals when I became the starting quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs. And the first goal was to win the Lamar Hunt Trophy. I wanted to bring it home, the one that has our founder's name name on it. I wanted to bring it to this family and this organization. And the second most important thing was to get Coach Reed uh, uh, a Super Bowl trophy. I mean, he's one of the greatest co coaches of all time. I don't think he needed the Lombardi trophy to, to prove that. But as I said, I mean, again, the Super Bowl, the ambiance of it, the show of it, it was a good show. Shout out to the NFL for putting on a good show. But again, enough of the pleasantries because, again, let's get to what's really important. And that was the game that transpired on Sunday, and that was the Kansas City Chiefs storming back, being down 10 to win the game by 11, 31-20 over the San Francisco 49ers. Of course, Patrick Mahomes, again, was, was mortal for this football game. He was 26-42, for 42, 286 passing yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. He had a QBR of 61. He had a QBR of 61, which is, I think was the lowest, I think, in Super Bowl history. And then on the other side, Jimmy Garoppolo was 20 for 31, one touchdown, two interception, and he had a QBR of 40.6. And again, I, I think the, 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 the quiet MVP of Sunday's game was Damian Williams with 17 carries for 104 yards and one touchdown. Now, with all of that being said, 
Of course, like I said, Tyreek Hill ha- had a good game. Nine catches for 105 yards. Sammy Watkins, five catches, 98 yards. Again, Travis Kelsey had a rather quiet pedestrian-like game, but again, was able to get a touchdown in the football game. And, 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 and again, it, it kind of goes back to what we kind of have been saying about the Kansas City Chiefs this entire time. I think this team, from the time they played the Texans and they came back from being down 24-0, to the time they played the Tennessee Titans and they were down 10-0, I think early on in that football game, and they came back and ended up winning that game. And then again Sunday, they came back from being down 11, I'm sorry, down 10, basically in the fourth quarter with six minutes left to go. They came back against the San Francisco 49ers. And this Kansas City Chiefs football team just proved to us that not only were they the best football team in the NFL, but they have the best player in the NFL, and that's Patrick Mahomes. Now, prior to Sunday's game, I thought personally the best player in football was Lamar Jackson. I did. I didn't think Lamar Jackson was the best quarterback in football per se, but as far as the best player in football, I thought it was Lamar Jackson. I mean, the things that he was doing with the football, making guys miss. And again, he had multiple games where he had four or five passing touchdowns. But Patrick Mahomes showed his brilliance in the fourth quarter, stepping up, making the big play on third and 15, the the completion to Tyreek Hill to kind of seal the football game. I mean, those kind of plays you can't coach. And as I said, Patrick Mahomes pretty much was a dub this entire football game. The, The San Francisco 49ers with Nick Bosa, they was on his ass the entire night. On Sunday, Kyle Shanahan once again wanted to be the smartest guy in the room. And it's something about these little offensive and defensive coaches that get anointed as geniuses and brilliant. They believe they can outsmart the room. But Kyle Shanahan on Sunday blew this football game. And you can blame Jimmy Garoppolo. You can blame Jimmy G. Oh, he should have hit Emmanuel Sanders over the top. Yes, he should have hit Emmanuel Sanders over the top. But to be honest, Emmanuel Sanders and Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers should have never been in that position down 20 to 24 anyway. They should have never been in that position anyway. Of course, we can blame Richard Sherman. Oh, he got cooked. He had an average game. I mean, basically through three quarters, he was locking everything up. Outside of, okay, they had that one or two plays where Tyree Kill caught one and Sammy Watkins caught one. Other than that, he was locking everything up on Sherman Island up until the fourth quarter when they ultimately just ran out of gas, right? But again, when you're the smartest guy in the room, when you've been told that your offensive boy genius, your dad is the the Hall of Fame head coach of the Denver Broncos that have won Super Bowls, so you ultimately should know what you're doing, time of possession, clock management, play calling, that kind of deal. And once again, Kyle Shanahan failed miserably in the biggest moments and it happens sometimes the greatest of them get to the biggest ones and they choke this is twice first time with the falcons we said you know what it was brady this time around you know what it was Mahomes. it was Mahomes. i'm not gonna put this one on kyle shanahan but as i was told a long time ago but as i was told very young fool me one time shame on you fool me twice shame on me Fooled me three times, <laughs> you can't get fooled again. And Kyle Shanahan showed us once and for all, <laughs> he done fooled us twice. Mountain Dew just changed the three-point contest for good. A shot so wild, it takes a big man with no limits to let it loose. Greatness from 29.9 feet out. And it's my time to shine. Well, 
to the do zone. Count it. Let me get that one more time. To three. You want some of this? Ah, switch. So skilled. And I'm back. Automatic. Three. Mountain Dew, official soft drink of the NBA. Today's attendance, 19,000 State Farm agents. Go for State Farm. When I always wake up, what does it mean? Clearly it means you should combine your home and auto with State Farm. Eh, that's a weird interpretation. Breaking NBA news right now. We got a 12-player, four-team trade that just transpired. Now, apparently the Houston Rockets are getting Robert Covington and Jordan Bell from the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Atlanta Hawks 2024 second-round pick. Now, in exchange, the Atlanta Hawks get Clint Capella and Nene, which is coming from the Houston Rockets. Apparently, the Nuggets get the Wolves, Kiata, Bates-Diop, Shabazz Napier, Noah Vonley, and then the Rockets, Gerald Green, of course, who was injured. And they also get Houston's first-round pick in 2020. The Minnesota Timberwolves get Malik Beasley, which is coming from the Denver Nuggets, uh, Hernan Gomez, and Jarrett Vanderbilt, as well as Evan Turner, and the Hawks' 2020 first-round pick via the Brooklyn Nets. So, again, let me read that back to you. So it makes sense. And again, this just this just broke right now. So, of course, we, we have to report it. Uh, but uh, apparently Minnesota, I'm sorry, Denver. Denver is acquiring Minnesota guard Shabazz Napier forward Kiata Bates-Diop forward Noah Vonley and injured guard Gerald Green. The Atlanta Hawks are acquiring center Nene Hilario and also they are getting Clint Capella. Houston will be receiving Jordan Bell along with Robert Covington from the Minnesota Timberwolves, and also an Atlanta 2024 second-round pick via the Golden State Warriors. Also transpiring today, the Minnesota Timberwolves will be acquiring Atlanta's Evan Turner and Denver's Jarrett Vanderbilt. And also, the Atlanta Hawks will be waiving Chandler Parsons and his inspiring $25.1 million contract to ultimately create roster space to complete this four-team trade. Now, with all of that being said, what does this mean? I mean, again, it only really fares for one team because one team is better then I would say the rest of those three teams, and that's the Houston Rockets. And then by and them ultimately trading Clint Capella and Nene for Robert Covington and, and what it looks like Jordan Bell says to me that they're they're playing a small ball lineup. Says to me that going into the second half of the season, they're going to try this small ball lineup to see ultimately if that can win them a championship. Again, right now, as, this, as it stands, they're fifth in the West. So, I mean, this is a team that not necessarily is underachieving, but I mean... Can we honestly sit here and say that Russell Westbrook and James Harden is working? Again, by getting a guy like Robert Covington, you get more floor space. Of course, it adds more deadly shooters to that Houston Rockets three-port arsenal that they have. But as I said, but I'm sorry, but as I said, they're currently fifth in the West behind the Utah Jazz, who currently sit 32 and 17, Denver, who's 35 and 16, the Clippers, who 35 and 15, and again, the number one team in the West, the Lakers, who are 38 and 11. So if you're Houston, you're looking at the rest of those four teams that are ahead of you and you're saying to yourself, what can we possibly do with the trade deadline to ultimately make us better? 
And as I said, by adding Robert Covington, it, like I said, it adds shooting Jordan Bell. Again, that just kind of adds you defensive presence, a guy who can rebound. Again, he is an NBA champion playing for the Golden State Warriors, so he does have experience in that background. But I don't think this move by adding Robert Covington, of course, instantly makes them title contenders or moves them up a spot because I still don't feel like they're better than the Lakers. I still don't feel like they're better than the Clippers. And again, outside of those two teams, I mean, you know, Utah on any given night, you know, is good. And then again, you still have the Dallas Mavericks who are right on their heels and also the Oklahoma City Thunder as well. So again, the, the West, you know, we can say what we want to. It's, it's a log jam right now. It's a log jam at the top. And I, and I can't sit here and say Houston is underachieving. But again, by this trade, by them adding Robert Covington, I, you know, see what it does for their basketball team. Hey, need a laptop that boots up as fast as six seconds when you're running late? It's switching time. Or how about a battery that lasts up to 12 hours? Order up. Now we're cooking. Or how about one with virus protection built in, which would be helpful right about now. Yeah, if you want all that, switch to Chromebook. On today's edition of the wrap-up, the Boston Red Sox and the Los Angeles Dodgers have agreed to a blockbuster deal that will send former MVP Mookie Betts and left-handed pitcher David Price to the Los Angeles Dodgers in a package that will include Alex Vertigo. Now, there also is a third team that was included, and that was the Minnesota Twins, and the Dodgers will be sending starter Kenta Medea to Minnesota, which will ultimately turn into um, a prospect player for them as well. Now, again, looking at this trade for the Dodgers, and of course, I believe they said Jock Peterson will also be getting traded to the Los Angeles Angels as well. And I think that'll be a good trade for the Angels. I think the Angels need some more batters in that lineup. But when you add a guy like Mookie Betts to this Dodger lineup, I'm a Dodgers fan, so of course I can talk this at nauseum. But I think, it, it again, it goes to show how aggressive the Dodgers have been this entire offseason. Again, not settling for anything. We did lose to the Washington Nationals, who ended up ended up going on, of course, to win the World Series. However, the past three years, we have lost to World Series champs. So as a Los Angeles Dodgers organization, they feel like they are just a player or two away ultimately for getting over the hump. They ultimately wanted Garrett Cole. They weren't able to get Garrett Cole. But I believe by getting a trade from Mookie Betts and getting an ace like David Price, I thought was a good move. And again, I think this is the move, a type of move, of course, you're going to win the NL West every single year. But this is the type of move that could potentially put you in the conversation with the Washington Nationals. Put you in that conversation of the the New York Yankees again. They added Garrett Cole, who kind of made the you know the biggest free agent splash of the entire offseason. This move right here loads this roster even more. Max Muncy, Cody Bellinger, Justin Turner, Clayton Kershaw, just to name a few. Again, Dave Roberts, uh, you know one of the best managers in baseball right now. So again, this team has won the past NL West division titles for the past four years. So we know that what they're going to do divisionally every single year. But this move was made for October. And again, when you add a guy like David Price to go along that bullpen to help out Clayton Kershaw when it needs to the most that can pitch a game five or a game six or a potential game seven closeout type of game, you needed a guy like David Price. So again, man, shout out to the Dodgers being aggressive in this offseason and making big moves. But it's your boy Addison. We are streaming on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Podbean, we're all podcasts are distributed at. That's where we are. So definitely tap into us. Definitely stream us. Continue to tell a friend to tell a friend. Follow me on all my social media at Addison Speaks. I definitely tap back in with everybody on there. But it's your host, Addison. Episode 102 of From the Jump. We out.